3: Welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Football podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Tuesday, December first, two thousand fifteen. I'm Jake Litarsky here alongside Eric Aturia today. If you're out there on Twitter, give Eric a follow at etcat30. You can follow me at jakeski 52 Eric, we got playoffs right around the corner, starting next week in some leagues. We got uh, one more week for a lot of for a lot of players to kind of squeak into the playoffs. Uh, I mean, if you avoided big injuries this week and last week, you kind of got to like your chances in the playoffs, right? Yeah, indeed. And, uh, yeah, I haven't suffered any
2: of those. Uh, debil- what what about Gronk? How many Gronk in- shares do you have? That's the tough one this week. I have zero shares. The only time I've been using him is uh, daily, and obviously, yep. I don't have to worry about him. You know, as exactly. long as he is out here, so that's a good thing. You know, yeah. how, how are your records looking so far? My already? records,
3: well, uh, kind of across the board. I'm I'm pretty confidently in the playoffs in three leagues. One league that I'm like fourth in points and I'm guaranteed out of the playoffs already, most points against, and then, and then another league I'm kind of on the fence. If I win this week and a few other things go in line, I could make the playoffs. But fantasy is all about getting there, in my opinion, right, exactly. seeding doesn't matter in the playoffs. You can pretty much go anywhere, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. There are the few occasions where there is that runaway team, and like mm-hmm. no matter what what you've done over the course of the season to try to catch up, though, mm-hmm. you might face him the final, but you can't do anything about it. Like I, I've had that happen multiple times in the same league. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, maybe it's the format of that league. Who knows?
3: Yeah, outside of getting that first round by, you know, that's really yeah. the biggest thing you play for as far as regular season record. Most leagues pay regular season points. I know mine do. So there's a lot, uh, a lot going down. But I know week 13 is a really big. Uh, big week here for a lot of teams that are just trying to get into the playoffs because 14 through 16 is playoff time pretty much across the board. Exactly. Yeah. Alright, but before we move on to week 13, let's talk about the last game from week 12. We're going to do a quick Monday Night Football recap. What was thought to be a snoozer turned out to be a pretty exciting game here. Baltimore Ravens topping the Cleveland Browns 33-27 on a kick-six walk-off, uh, whatever you want to call that. Their uh, blocked field goal returned for a touchdown. They're pretty low trajectory on the Travis Coons field goal and Will Hill took it around the corner and made him pay let's start with the Ravens side who came out victorious in this of course Matt Schaub filling in for Joe Flacco finished 20 for 34 232 yards two touchdowns but also two interceptions did we not call a Matt Schaub pick six last week uh yeah and it'll probably happen uh half half of his audience the rest of the year too mm-hmm. he's just had rough luck with that and Carlos Stansby man he scores a lot of touchdowns for a linebacker to, t- to take Rudin's line from last night he finds his way to the end zone quite a bit yeah
2: exactly
3: <laughs> how about Buck Allen Javorius Allen 12 carries 55 yards a long of 21 he was really more of a factor in the passing game catching four or five targets for 29 yards and a touchdown let's talk about this Ravens backfield here because Terrence West carried the ball seven times for 37 yards and really seemed to be almost a more efficient runner I thought at first they were using him on drives because it's against the team that let him go and maybe he has that extra motivation here but I mean Terrence Terrence West cutting into the carries of Buck Allen who we thought was going to be the workhorse.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I believe uh the snap count breakdown was. I'm looking that into that right now quickly. Uh so that was just a second, man.
3: Yeah, real quick here. We got uh while we look up the snap count, I'll just kind of run down uh, the rest of the running game. Chris Givens had a rush for uh 2 yards. Shaw carried the ball 3 times for 10 yards here. Shaw uh, did not get a sack. Turned out with a 60.1 QBR on the game. Of course, he's going to be taking over the rest of the season there. And uh, with Justin Forsett with that broken arm here, we've got an Allen Terrence West distribution. And I believe uh, it it was Allen that came out ahead in the uh, in the overall snap counts there.
2: Uh, it was. And, yep, uh, uh... I thought I had written it down, so I'm uh, looking into it right now. I don't know where that – it literally disappeared from wherever I put it. You
3: know, we're going to talk about Terrence West a little bit later on in the show, and I think we've got it down there. I see uh, 14 snaps for West, 36 for Buck Allen out of 61 offensive snaps. So there we go. We dug it up, uh, ladies and gentlemen, here for all of our listeners. Buck Allen still dominating the snaps, but Terrence West at least eating in in a meaningful way, correct? Yeah,
2: that's basically the point I wanted to make. Uh, Yeah, he may have – uh, Terrence West may have got a, a decent amount of touches on the you know shares of snaps that he received, but mm-hmm. I don't really see that going forward. Uh, I think mm-hmm. they're going to give. Uh, Javorius Allen a decent shot to win this gig just because he was a draft pick this year mm-hmm. by them and you know you always want to see all your draft picks pan out yeah so. I, he's he's gonna be the lead guy the rest of the way mm-hmm. I believe he was a, f- a fourth or fifth rounder out of
3: USC yes and, yeah. and as you can see at USC he was known for catching passes out of the backfield right. doing a whole lot with it and that seems to be the case here he did score his touchdown through the air mostly I would attribute that mostly to poor tackling on the Browns' yeah. defense, though, because they did have him wrapped up.
2: But turned out to return nice value for both daily and season-long owners that were taking a look at him. Yeah, and we, we, we were talking about him a lot, actually, in the preseason then mm-hmm. within the first two weeks of the season, too, because Forsett really wasn't doing much in terms of production. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of fell off a cliff uh, in terms of relevance. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with Forsett's injury and yep. uh, Lorenzo, Lorenzo Taliafero going down earlier in the season, I mean, mm-hmm. you know— He's back in the forefront. Yeah, I remember the preseason he was among the top in NFL rushers
3: overall, but there were a couple fumbles mixed in there, which doesn't really bode well for a rookie early on. But I think he'll come into his own and and prove to be. I mean, so he'll get every third down snap. I think that's a given. And I think you give him the edge in first and second down snaps over
2: West. West might cut in a little bit, but... Uh, yeah, he's, he's yeah. West is basically going <clears> to <throat> spell him on occasion, mm-hmm. but we're not thinking that he's going to outright take the game, even though he had a decent showing here, mm-hmm. 7 for 37, like you said. For sure. How
3: about the wide receivers here? As expected, Kamar Aiken leads the charge. Uh, the only player to get more than five targets on the entire Baltimore group here ended up with six catches for 80 yards and a touchdown Chris Givens one catch on three targets for 48 yards Jeremy Butler kind of came out of nowhere to get three catches for 27 yards on four targets and then the tight ends kind of slash fullback here we got Crockett Gilmore three catches for 20 yards Kyle Juszczyk who was also used on third down I noticed in a lot of formations targeted four times ended up with two catches for 18 yards so outside of Aiken there's really not a whole lot to like here from a fantasy
2: perspective yeah not at all so are we thinking that Allen is probably going to be the second receiving threat just because mm-hmm. Schaub is probably not going to take too many deep shots he's going to do the mm-hmm. safer pass check downs and whatnot
3: yeah Givens is his deep ball guy but I think I mean I saw uh, Allen line up in the slot a lot last night and, yeah. and motion out to the slot and that do that sets up a lot of different screens and I think we'll see a lot of targets for a guy like Buck Allen which is where a lot of the value is going to come
2: from. right exactly definitely ppr formats he's up there
3: mm-hmm. let's head on over to the cleveland side here josh mccown of course started the game played through a noticeable amount of pain finished 21 for 38 for 212 yards and a touchdown before giving way to Austin Davis. It was clear McCown just couldn't take it anymore, and he will actually miss the rest of the season with a broken collarbone. So that leaves an interesting quarterback situation in Cleveland here. Of course, with Johnny Manziel sitting this week, despite being active, Austin Davis came in 7 for 10, 77 yards and a touchdown. Pretty much most of that came on a a game-tying 42-yard bomb to Travis Benjamin. That's where he's got most of his production here.
2: Um, I mean, were you expecting that at all out of Davis? Oh uh, no, uh, yeah. When uh, the bulk of your yards comes from one pass, mm-hmm. thirty-five yard. The remaining thirty-five yards came on the six, uh, six, six completions. Other completions you know? Yeah, so six yards per uh, catches or pass rather is not mm-hmm. really anything desirable. And now there is a quandary: is Manziel actually going to play? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, if Austin Davis. If he suffers an injury, Manziel's in there. Manziel has and, to play and it, they, now. And they, I mean, It's still a difficult decision during the week too because Patton today said that he hasn't made the decision yet. They, they're mm-hmm. not going to wait and make the call. This is the same song and dance from Mike Patton. He's not going to
3: tell you until someone absolutely forces him to. He might yeah. know in his head, but you won't hear it. Uh, very
2: secretive about that type of thing. So, but you'd think they want to make Manziel, you know, suffer a little bit for his, mm-hmm. you know, actions. I mean, and lack of. Coming in, do- or
3: when your starting quarterback goes down one score and Manziel sits on the bench, is that not enough punishment for a guy like that to have to watch uh, Austin Davis not only come in but throw a touchdown? Right, I would think that's punishment enough here, but uh, let's go to the Cleveland backfield, which has essentially established itself as a non-factor in any type of fantasy format here. I can't see any format where I would consider starting any of those guys. Duke Johnson leads the charge, 7 carries for 27 yards. Isaiah Crowell also picked up 7 carries for... A whopping seven yards. He can probably be dropped at this point. I'd say that's a safe bet. Travis Benjamin one carry for ten yards. Of course, Uh, so not a whole lot to like there. You know, you can cut bait because you're definitely not starting any of those guys during
2: the playoffs. And Duke Johnson only in PPR formats Mm -hmm. and potentially in a flex spot in a deeper league. That's that'd be the only time you'd probably want to use him.
3: Yeah, Duke Johnson ended up with six targets, caught five for twenty three, and he's always a threat to possibly you know score through the air. Yeah, right. There's there's a bet there. What about the best rest of the receiving core here? Now Cleveland was down two of their receivers uh when you have uh both Taylor Gabriel and Andrew Hawkins dealing with concussions. So Gary Barnage led the charge, caught seven of eleven targets for ninety one yards, did not reach the end zone. Uh Benjamin, we already mentioned his big touchdown. Without that the day wouldn't have been too much, but he was the leading target receiver, 13 catches 6 or I'm sorry 13 targets, 6 catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. So he's the big fantasy guy so far, I guess. Then you got Brian Hartline, uh of course stepping in for Hawkins to a meaningful role. 8 catches, 74 yards on 12 targets there. Dwayne Bowe made the rare appearance, was targeted once, did not catch a pass and uh pretty much after that overall insignificant. So there's not a whole lot uh you know reason for optimism
2: in Cleveland as if there has been for the last five years <laughs> right so uh, are the Browns only airing it out this much because their ground game has been so pitiful mm-hmm. so I, we I mean we see three uh, receivers here getting you know double digit targets and Gary Barnage Travis Benjamin and Brian Hartline I mean is that going to continue no matter who the quarterback is
3: I mean I can see Barnage and Benjamin are going to get double digit targets on a week-to-week basis yeah. Hartline could get scaled back once the rest of the receivers are healthy there but right. uh, outside of Barnage and Benjamin I wouldn't be owning any of these receivers unless for some reason both Hawkins and Gabriel get ruled out again and you need a deep flex and a three-ride receiver PPR league then you can consider Heartline for maybe a one week stream there but uh yeah uh, the real big story here is the quarterback play and, and yeah. regardless of who they end up with over the coming week I, I'd even almost avoid it in two quarterback situations because we're about to get into the main portion of the podcast where we go through waiver wire pickups here there are quite a few quarterback situations to like that are are, are a lot more favorable than right than, than this Cleveland one
2: yeah, I agree with that.
3: All right, so let's start with a couple guys we already mentioned uh, on the quarterback here. Actually, before we get too deep into the quarterbacks, a few notes. No week 13 buys, those are over with. When we talk percentages, all percent owned, taken earlier this afternoon, uh, and fab estimates are based on a 12-team format with a $100 budget standard scoring there. So we talked about Jameis Winston a few times, kind of bringing his name up again, owned in just 43% of Yahoo, 38% of ESPN leagues. Uh so he's a, a target if you need someone for this week. Also, got to like I believe Winston going up against Atlanta. Uh, also, we mentioned Brock, Brock Osweiler last week. Still owned it only eighteen percent of Yahoo, thirteen percent of ESPN leagues after beating the Patriots. Osweiler's got to be the guy moving forward, right?
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Well, when, I want to go back to Winston for a second here, though. Uh, he, he is facing Atlanta, who you know has fallen off a cliff when it comes to you know record. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are they six and five at the moment? I believe. But yeah. anyway, uh, their pass defense actually hasn't been that bad. Uh, they've allowed 200 plus yards or more just one time in the last five games. Mm-hmm. Only six passing touchdowns during that span on the season. They've had th- they've allowed 13 touchdowns, picked off 13 passes. So I mean, it's going to be hit or miss. But it, it's not a guarantee that Winston's going to have a good outing. And we we've seen we have seen Winston you know take care of the ball. So that's a good thing we yeah. see. And he has his two uh wide outs back too mm-hmm.
3: yeah I would agree there's a, uh, a a decent uh and and necessary apprehension with using a guy like uh, like winston you know this week uh but if he's out there, you know we've got a few other quarterbacks going through injuries here yeah. where uh where it might actually make a difference Uh, let's start in Pittsburgh we got Ben Roethlisberger confirmed concussion confirmed self-reported concussion if he can't clear protocol it's Landry Jones who at least that isn't a complete death sentence for Antonio Brown that's
2: how I read this news yes we saw uh, Roethlisberger actually like you said self-reported concussion Mm -hmm. Uh, he was going through a concussion protocol actually on Tuesday morning he said that he was clear from the concussion protocol but then within uh three to four hours the Steelers came out and said oh no you're still in the concussion protocol so he's gonna have to go through that during this week uh Landry Jones is a guy if he can't go Mm -hmm. but it already sounds like his uh Roethlisberger's concussion symptoms are diminishing Mm -hmm. so that's a really good sign that he'll actually be out there this week
3: yeah, I'm definitely liking that. Um, and, you know, and, and I hate to skip around here, but I did just notice that uh Brock Osweiler of Denver uh has San Diego next week and they bottom third pass defense. So they could be one of the top um uh, pickups, you know, if you're looking for a second quarterback in the two quarterback league. But uh once again, yeah, Ben Roethlisberger, watch his practice status all week. I guess we'll see uh you know if he can clear that protocol. Uh notoriously or not notoriously just uh I guess famously tough Ben Roethlisberger is, but with head injuries, of course, there's there's no real there's no real room to to tough it out and play yeah. through it
2: you just kind of got to go through protocol and it, see where it goes and even he said that uh you know he'll play through any injury but a brain injury i mm-hmm. mean that's like an exact quote from him <laughs> yeah
3: that that makes sense uh you know maybe not known for saying the most intelligent things but i'll give him that one yeah for sure <laughs> all right now uh, a couple more quarterbacks sam bradford Didn't seem to be limited in Tuesday's practice, so of course, if he's healthy, he probably takes back over for Mark Sanchez. Bradford, a lot of people just finally cut bait with him, myself included. But only owning thirty-five percent of Yahoo has New England Week thirteen, so not the greatest matchup. But again, there's 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 worse QB twos I can imagine, Uh, maybe two or three worse QB twos, but they're out there. So you know, in a two quarterback league, Bradford should be probably looked at.
2: Yeah, usually when you're facing New England, you're gonna go down like pretty early and often, and be facing a deficit so the opposing offenses are therefore throwing Mm -hmm. a lot so Bradford could pick up a lot of you know garbage Mm -hmm. time yardage in this game
3: I mean if New England puts the Eagles out of the game in the first half Bradford still could be in line for 200 yards and two touchdowns just by slinging it out now will that result in three or four interceptions as well yeah quite possibly (laughs) so uh or you know maybe another sack where he just you know busts his shoulder again that kind of stuff so yeah it's risky but you know maybe a quarterback two here of course, uh, Brian Hoyer also readily available. Just thirty four percent Yahoo,
2: forty percent ESPN league. But you don't like the matchup this week, do you? Uh, not a lot. Uh, he's facing Buffalo. Um, Buffalo has actually allowed multiple TD passes in eight of eleven games. You gotta like that. But mm-hmm. they're the they're, they are the twenty two twenty second ranked pass defense as well. So there are some good things. But mm-hmm. I I just feel like I mean you feel like the Bills are going to get going at some point here, right? Or are they or is. I mean, Patriots are running away
3: with that division, but I do like the Bills the Snake, one of those wild-card spots that is still up for the taking.
2: I mean, I guess we just did see Alex Smith kind of light up the Bills' secondary, right? And so, mm-hmm. I mean... You could probably see the Hoyer, you know, DeAndre Hopkins connection happen a lot too. Mm-hmm.
3: A lot of people were hoping for that in daily last week, and it didn't quite work out. So right. perhaps the ownership will be down, and there'll be room for profit in that Name, type of namely area. Namely, you and I. Yeah, I mean, I had Hopkins everywhere. I didn't use Hoyer. Oh, I, really? I just I couldn't trust Hoyer I, after watching him for a whole year in Cleveland. I, I don't know. I wasn't ready to pull the trigger yeah. there. But in both daily and season long, we got a good streaming option for you this week, and, and that's Ryan Fitzpatrick of the Jets here, still owned at only. 24% of Yahoo, 26% of ESPN leagues. If you used him in daily, you probably finished pretty well last week because he had 277 yards. And four touchdowns against Miami, who has some talented corners on that defense. Now, the real thing here is uh, his matchup. Week 13, it's technically a road game uh, at the Giants, but they play at the same stadium. So it's essentially a home game for Fitzpatrick. And as long as the weather's okay, I can see a lot of points being put up in this game. Uh, The Giants give up their fifth most points to opposing fantasy quarterbacks, one of the worst overall pass defenses in the entire league. I gotta like uh, Fitzpatrick as a streaming option, and I know a lot of people... we generally say to avoid the recency bias in daily, but a Fitzpatrick Marshall or a
2: Fitzpatrick Decker type of stack could end up doing you well again this week. Yeah, I think a a lot of the, like Fitzpatrick's production is actually going to be uh, in terms of yardage and not specifically touchdowns. So uh, since the Giants have given up 300 plus yards to six different quarterbacks this season, uh, but they've also only allowed multiple touchdowns in four of eleven games. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna be seeing a lot of, uh, we're gonna see a lot of you know uh, Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, mm-hmm. but not necessarily them reaching the end zone. I think. Mm-hmm. In and this at, game. Yep. At the same time, though,
3: I mean Fitzpatrick. When you think of the name, you think probably a pretty inconsistent fantasy quarterback. However, he's thrown two touchdowns and or more in every single game except for three this season uh through just one in a road matchup against miami week four uh got shut out when he was knocked out early week eight against oakland and then through just one week 11 but other than that exactly two touchdowns in every other week except yeah. for this recent one when he threw four so uh i guess you know you've got an unstoppable force and an immovable object like that's a terrible way to put it when you're talking about you know the jets and the giants here but yeah uh, something's got to give and I, I could see him reaching two at least in this game
2: yeah I, i've Just noticed too, as the season has gone on, the Giants' secondary has gotten slowly but surely healthier, and Mm -hmm. I I think this week you're going to see barely any of their um, members actually on the injured report. So Mm -hmm. that'll be something to maybe look into. But you're right; like it, it is a really good matchup. Yeah, he's going to be cheap on DraftKings.
3: He's going to be available in season long. So I mean, if you're still banking on Romo if you've been starting Tyrod Taylor all year or if you've been hanging on to Ben Roethlisberger or something like that and you're just in a tough spot or you have one of these quarterbacks that's a tough matchup I could very much see Fitzpatrick I'd say Fitzpatrick should almost be started in all two quarterback leagues I don't know if that's too much of a a bold statement here but a lot of quarterback news. That's enough of that for now. Let's head on over to running backs here. Where we're going to quick rundown, guys. We already mentioned last week, guys like Buck Allen and Thomas Rawls led off the podcast here. Their availability has officially dried up. Buck Allen, 73% Yahoo, 80% ESPN owned. Thomas Rawls owned an 86% Yahoo, 90% ESPN. But of course, if you're hitting the waiver wire, they're going to be Probably some of your top targets here. We'll get to a few more. Uh, Spencer Ware from Kansas City, he had another 100-yard game and a touchdown uh, last week. Still only owned in 63% of Yahoo, 63% of ESPN. So I think his status is quite closely tied to Charkhandrick West. But at the same time, he should probably be owned in all formats, just in case West dealing with a hamstring injury and you never really know there.
2: Yeah, those hamstring are, hamstrings are always bulky. I, I cover the Cardinals, and it's just been difficult to project. When John Brown, for example, was actually going to be in like a mm-hmm. full go and for you guys all out there to actually use him. But uh, yeah, coming back to where the matchup is, uh, maybe a little iffy. I, I think the Raiders are pretty decent on the ground. They've given, but they have given up uh, a lot of catches to running backs this season—the sixth most among, you know, defenses in the NFL. So because Ware is not really a pass catcher, I think he has only three or four in his, you know, few appearances here of late. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be a little tough going, but yeah, rest of the season I really like him, especially mm-hmm. if you know Chuck Hendrick West is going to be out.
3: Yeah, so very close. Closely tied to the monitor there. That's the, or to monitoring the status of West, and and that's pretty much the theme of that conversation. Now, another guy that we've talked about in the past that we both agreed is really worth revisiting is Sean Drone of the San Francisco 49ers. There's a couple factors going in his favor. One is availability. He is owned in just 29% of Yahoo and 35% ESPN leagues. So you've almost got a 75% chance, almost, I guess I'm I'm, I'm rounding up here, but 65% chance, say, of uh, picking him up if you run a search for his name. That is, uh, let's see here, D-R-A-U-G-H-N, Sean Grone. Uh But the matchup's working really well in his favor. He is on the road, but he goes to the Chicago Bears, who have given up uh, a decent amount of points to fantasy running backs. Yeah. Even in a loss, they gave up over 100 yards to Eddie Lacy on Thanksgiving here. Uh, I mean, he's, he's got to be a pretty reasonable target here uh, in daily as well if his price is Yeah, and,
2: and he's shown an ability to actually make an impact on both the ground and as a pass catcher mm-hmm. uh, in sta- just standard points, 8, 7, and 8, which is better than you would expect you know, just, you know, one of your flex guys, uh, if it's PPR, it's even better. He's getting about three or four extra points per week. Um, you're right. He's chasing Chicago have given up 57 rushes for 305, uh, rushing yards, uh, the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. So the last two to be exact. So, yeah, they're, they've been really yielding on the ground. I think they're more willing to give up uh, yardage on the ground and kind of you know, make sure the opposing quarterback doesn't kill them. So, yeah, good mm-hmm. matchup.
3: Yeah, so if this next guy that we talk about isn't available and neither is Buck Allen or Rawls or even R- Ware, I mean, I would put Drone at a level almost similar to those guys and, and absolutely give him consideration because I think heading into this week he needs to be owned just about everywhere, even as small as 10-team
2: formats. Yeah, and just one more point on him. We haven't heard anything, you know, related to a return for Carlos Hyde because of the the stress fracture in his foot. So mm-hmm. he should have the starting gig for a while. Yeah, and a stress fracture is, is no joke, especially for an NFL running
3: back. Mm-hmm. With the 49ers well out of the playoff hunt, I can imagine they'd have little incentive to bring him back. Right, yeah. All right, but what about some new guys here? Our top target for this week is going to be David Johnson of the Arizona Cardinals. They're, they do, he does have a tough matchup going to St. Louis this week, but it looks like he's going to be the guy now. Of course, Chris Johnson, uh, diagnosed with a fractured tibia, uh, placed on the injured reserve here. Eric, you covered the Cardinals. You've watched David Johnson get into the end zone plenty of times this year. What can you tell our listeners about this guy, which make him potentially one of the top, if not the top, targets for the week?
2: Yeah, so he's been a uh, touchdown vulture that nobody's really talked about this season. Uh, mm-hmm. He leads all rookies in terms of touchdowns. That's just uh, r- running backs, uh, receivers, and tight ends. He's He has eight. Uh, I think next on the list is actually Todd Gurley with six. Um, he's averaging four yards per carry. He's only, you know, racked up thirty-five on the season, but that's because he's behind Chris Johnson, Andre Ellington, and he's also been a pretty good pass catcher too—nineteen uh, catches on twenty-nine targets, and mm-hmm. averaging nearly thirteen yards per catch. So he kind of can do it all, and I could easily see him being like the a three-down back actually this weekend. If mm-hmm. we already know Chris Johnson's probably going to be out six to eight weeks with his uh, fractured tibia and Andre Ellington's dealing with turf toe, which is nothing to be trifled with. I could see him sitting out a few mm-hmm. weeks here, too. So David Johnson could really go on a two- or three-week run run here and actually kind of take st- stake a claim to this job.
3: Yeah, exactly. For the listeners that don't know, turf toe is basically a broken toe, and there's no treatment for it outside of removing the toe, which probably isn't going to happen. So like you said, nothing to joke around with. David Johnson can, like you said, he can do it all. I mean, Four of those touchdowns are rushing, three are through the air receiving, and he's been actively involved in the kick-return game and has one kick-return touchdown on the year. So there's a lot of different ways he can help. Now, he's never seen double-digit carries in a single game this year. He did see eight last week. Only seen double-digit targets just... uh, just once on the year, but you know, in basketball we always talk about a a, a per minute or, or their per efficiency rating and stuff
2: like that. If they measured that in football, David Johnson's would be off the charts. Yeah, I would agree with that. And yeah, just the opportunity, um everything is coming together here for him to be the number one undisputed back. We should mention Stefan Taylor is around to actually potentially steal some carries. Mm-hmm. Uh this backfield has been using multiple running backs all season hence the reason david johnson actually has touches here mm-hmm. so you're seeing him getting decent touches ellington getting decent touches and chris johnson being the workhorse they always have a workhorse mm-hmm. so david johnson is going to be the workhorse but if you're in a really deep format like stefan taylor is a guy he's only average though i believe 3.2 yards per carry in his career mm-hmm. so that's so you're basically you're picking him up Banking on a goal line carry, right? Yeah, for, for uh, yeah. when it comes to Stephon Taylor, he's going to get 10 to 20 yards max yeah, as a so, backup.
3: Okay, so David Johnson going to be the workhouse, workhorse. Arian's going to finally let him out of his cage here. Is he the guy that at this point in the season leading into the playoffs, you just go ahead and spend the rest of your waiver wire budget on? Uh,
2: I think uh, we're at that point. Mm-hmm. If you're really in de- desperate need of a running back, I mean, mm-hmm. this is – the best all-around option you can possibly get yeah. and he, he's gonna have the job for a while mm-hmm.
3: even if you haven't spent a cent on the waiver wire and uh and have a hundred dollars left i'd say maybe you don't need to spend a hundred you have to look at what everyone else buys but you know seventy five, 80 dollar bids still just to uh to get him and maybe have enough for to sneak in another guy but with the top targets that have been merging over the last couple of weeks i think some of those waiver budgets are going to be pretty spent
2: yeah i i agree the only thing I'm worried about when it comes to David Johnson is the fact that his pass protection might be a little bulky. Mm-hmm. So if Bruce Arians is noticing that Palmer is getting rushed a, a little bit too much and uh, flustered, I could see him making a change to Stefan Taylor, J- just mm-hmm. uh, a more even split rather than you- – david johnson actually receiving all the touches or
3: hell even put a tight end like daniel
2: fells or something in the in the backfield if they just need pass protection yeah i I could easily see them running more two tight end sets and only having two wide outs actually on the field at that point
3: Mm -hmm. so yeah it'll it'll dictate a lot of it but one way or another david johnson's your top pickup this week he needs to be owned everywhere even if it's an team league go ahead and get him you heard it here Mm -hmm. first hopefully uh terrence west is next on our list we already discussed him in Monday Night Football so no need to really go in detail there maybe a couple dollars on on the, the fab there because Javorius Allen's going to get every opportunity to so, win that job basically
2: as a Javorius uh handcuff
3: yeah yeah a Javorius handcuff heading into the playoffs that you can get for zero dollars now probably maybe need him down the road another guy uh owning just 25 percent of yahoo leagues is theo riddick he had a pretty nice game on thanksgiving uh five catches five targets 62 yards and a touchdown already on the season he has a career best 55 catches on 67 targets so if you're in a PP, ppr format uh possibly worth a look i wouldn't i probably wouldn't touch him in
2: standard though oh yeah um yeah it's it's only really a ppr option <laughs> I mean in PPR I think he's a top 15 back because of the aforementioned production 55 catches so mm-hmm. but yeah it's only in that scenario. I mean that's a 17 point fantasy week last week and that
3: is worthy of uh yeah top 15 back is tough I think but uh possibly a low
2: on flex spot at least you can yeah. bank on that. Uh, this is uh I just remember looking at the rankings earlier in the season in one of my PPR formats and he was about 15 or 16 at that point. Mm-hmm. So I know his production did tail off a little bit, hence the uh, ownership rate right now. But uh, he should be owned, especially PPR.
3: Yeah. Okay. And lastly, one quick mention here. Uh, Dan Heron. Of the Colts, back with the Colts, so somewhere he's familiar with. Maybe worth a look with Frank Gore struggling and Ahmad Bradshaw now out for the year. But that's that's your deep, deep sleep or deep dart of the day because you really don't know what you're going to get there. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting. Week 13 DraftKings will be hosting yet another Millionaire Maker event with $1 million going to first place. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code ROTOWIRE to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Once again, we're back. I'm Jake Litarski here with Eric Katuri. We're doing our Waiver Wire podcast this week. We already hit quarterbacks and running backs. Time to look at a few wideouts here. Uh, Some... Some old names and rehash, a few new names here. Uh, guys, we've already mentioned Stevie Johnson, uh, Devin Funches, and uh, Marquez Wilson of Chicago. Uh, now, all these guys had you, reasonable games in the recent week, uh, particularly Stevie Johnson. But his availability starting to dry up. Seventy-eight percent Yahoo, seventy-five percent ESPN. Stevie Johnson's your first choice, maybe Dontrell Inman if you're in a deeper format. I think he had maybe sixty yards and a touchdown. I don't have the stat line in front of me there. But- but uh, these guys are probably some of the top targets for the week. Is there anyone that particularly stands out? Are you still trying to get Devin Funches, who's only owned in 51% of Yahoo and 24% of ESPN leagues?
2: I don't know. I, I actually kind of like uh, Marques Wilson, and that's kind of tied to the health of the rest of the receiving core. Mm-hmm. And Elshon Jeffrey was back in action this past weekend, but I do like his uh, you know, decent target count the uh, last few weeks. It's uh, I think he's getting in the 5 to 10 range. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's considering they're uh, passing so much right now. Yeah, five targets against the Packers, seven against
3: Denver, of course, uh, week 11. That was without Elshon Jeffries. And he's reached the end zone a few times, correct? Uh, Just once on the year uh, receiving-wise. Yep, just once receiving-wise. So there's, I mean, if you're in a deep league and you need to get six to eight points, I I think you could absolutely take a look at him. So yeah, a couple guys we've talked about that are worth rehashing. uh, But what about, Moving on to the new guys, what about a guy like Doug Baldwin here of the Seahawks? Now, still only owning 37% of Yahoo, 34% of ESPN leagues. That's after the huge three-touchdown performance Sunday against Pittsburgh. He was targeted eight times, and three of those turned into touchdowns. He does have a much tougher matchup week 13 going to Minnesota, but is... Doug Baldwin's, of course, the number one receiver there, but, of course, then you run into guys like Jermaine Curse, Tyler Lockett, competition for targets. Uh, I mean, would you feel safe starting Doug Baldwin as a, a wide receiver three or a low-end flex?
2: Yeah, he, it'd have to be a flex play um, mm-hmm. at this time, but I do like the fact that they're actually uh, the Seahawks that, are, that is, are trying to air it out lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, his target count is... Uh, been racking up to during that time so he's had 10 6 and 8 over the last three weeks uh that that eight target count is you know basically equivalent to what des bryant receives in the week on a weekly basis and he's putting up uh t- production like you would expect uh, a guy like that to do so yeah like uh, that that's kind of what i'm expecting at this point actually mm-hmm. yeah and
3: uh, of course the uh, yard per catch continuing to to climb thirteen point seven his most since two thousand and thirteen, so that's encouraging for doug baldwin and of course don't forget about D- Jimmy Graham out for the year with a knee injury there's uh, he wasn't getting a ton of targets, of course, we all know Jimmy Graham owners especially know how Graham was being used, but some of those targets got to get spread around somewhere, and maybe Baldwin could even see an extra one or two targets I,
2: I just think you're seeing um, them kind of adapt to like their situation at the moment, you know uh, obviously with Graham going out that was near the end of the game but they were still you know mm-hmm. directing a lot of their attention toward Baldwin uh Thomas Rawls is now the running back with Marshawn Lynch out for the season so mm-hmm. uh I think that it's just a level of trust with uh Doug Baldwin and Russell Wilson at this point like they're mm-hmm. just like oh we gotta we gotta get to the playoffs here like we I know we've started so poorly, but we we need to do something about this. And uh, mm-hmm. they probably also feel the fact that their defense isn't upholding their end of the bargain from previous seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and starting with the run game, they're primarily
3: considered or were considered to be a run-first uh type of team with Marshawn Lynch is punishing now no knock on Thomas Rawls he's been a pretty productive back so far but he doesn't run with the same punishing style that wears down defenses that Lynch does so like you said you can see the identity of the offense shifting and and Russell Wilson it's not like he has a lack of weapons I'm very optimistic Mm -hmm. about Tyler Lockett's future in the NFL I think Tyler Lockett will be a very very solid sleeper pick for next season and of course Doug Baldwin's your established guy who's got the chemistry finally in a situation where he can really the excel there
2: so I mean uh, wilson's um you know attempts per game is not really deviated from what they were doing previously um they've he's ranged between twenty nine and thirty two over the last four which is not that much different he's just being a little more accurate and th- that like you said that yards per uh target has been elevating almost mm-hmm. every game here
3: yeah week to week to week so when it comes down to fab budget you know say. You've got some money left, a decent amount. Maybe you miss out on some of these top backs, or say you really need a receiver. I originally wrote down five to ten dollars, but I could see ten to fifteen range
2: for a guy like Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I, I like I make a concerted effort to have really good depth, in when it comes to my wideouts, mm-hmm. so it, it, and he's probably only available in what like ten team leagues right now, and maybe mm-hmm. some twelve teamers. They, yeah, so exactly. I, I would say those twelve teams definitely get him. Ten teamers it's going to really depend on the composition of your roster exactly, and in seasons past,
3: the Seahawks had a one or two seed wrapped up and didn't really have to play week seventeen, but it's going to end up rest of season here where they're going to be fighting for every single win to yeah. make sure they lock down that playoff stop right so there's no reason for that offense to let up at at all, which is good news for Russell Wilson owners we, as well,
2: yeah, and just utilizing the pass too does save a lot of uh you know possession time or mm-hmm. time on the clock too so. Uh, that might be another reason they start airing out a little more. Yeah, I can see that. I I was actually really fortunate. I have Baldwin in a
3: 14 and a 16 team. That's pretty I great. ended up starting him in the 16 team as a flex last week just because I don't know, I needed him. I also went against him in another league and yeah. and uh so I'm going to be able to use him. I'm going to be a little more confident about starting him moving forward.
2: Man, it must have been nice to have the Baldwin and Calvin uh, Johnson combo this last week, huh?
3: Yeah, if, if you had that in daily or, or anywhere. I mean, I stayed away from Megatron in my season-long formats, but uh, uh, a Baldwin-Kelvin-Johnson combo pretty much won you your week if, yeah. if that happened there. Uh, so Baldwin's one, one of the big targets to talk about. Another guy I do want to address whose ownership is a lot lower, and you should be able to find him in a lot of places, that is Devontae Parker of the Miami Dolphins. Last time we checked, owned in just 5% of Yahoo, 5%. Of ESPN leagues. He came up big with a pretty solid performance Sunday against the Jets, finished with four catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. Uh, of course the Jets didn't have Darrell Revis so that possibly opened up more opportunities for the Dolphins in the passing game but the thing about that stat line that stands out most is the 10 targets now he wasn't the most efficient only hauling in four of those passes but double-digit targets for anybody is is absolutely worth it and you look at Rashard Matthews who left the game early with uh, ribs slash kind of chest injury Uh, Parker was the main beneficiary Uh, he was a big sleeper
2: early in the year but I mean, can he be someone that helps owners in the playoffs? Yeah, it, it kind of looks like it. I mean, you'd like to see him put uh, together a few weeks before you make that pronouncement. But mm-hmm. uh, just this debut, you know, I mean, re-debut. I mean, he hasn't had a catch since week three, so it kind of is a re-debut. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's nice to see him get this many targets with Rashad Matthews potentially missing some time because of the rib injury. Mm-hmm. And not really anybody else standing out outside of, Jarvis Landry in the receiving core, yeah, I could easily mm-hmm. see him, you know, getting close to 10 targets per game.
3: Yeah, he's someone that I actually owned earlier in the season and ended up releasing in a lot of places because you mentioned it's his first catch since week three, what's he doing on a fantasy roster, but now right. all of a sudden he's become relevant. Here's how I'm going to play this, Eric. I would go ahead and pick him up to add depth in most places where I can, but I will only start him if Rashard Matthews sits. Does yeah, that sound like a pretty that, reasonable strategy? Yeah, that
2: sounds like, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I mean... When you look in twelve team leagues, would you, you know, maybe put in one or two dollar bid on him, something yeah. like that? Yeah,
3: exactly. You know, originally I wrote down five to ten dollars. If uh, I'm set on my running backs and have money to spend, I could. I think six dollars should lock them up this week. Okay, I, I would say six will, unless you've got an overly aggressive uh, owner in your league who's, uh, you know, real big Devonte Parker fan, or or maybe other people in your league are listening to this I'm podcast just, right I, now.
2: I'm just thinking about like the standard bench is like six players right so then uh in t- all my in all my leagues i have a 10 to 14 and a 16 team or mm-hmm. like in those or sorry 210 a 14 and a 16 like Devonte parker is available and i think all of those leagues you mm-hmm. should right be available
3: now. all the way across the board
2: yeah so that's why i'm a little cautious to recommend uh Somebody in a twelve teamer to spend that much, mm-hmm. but yeah, fourteen team, yeah, I, I can see that.
3: Yeah, exactly. So I'm a, I'm gonna definitely scan for his availability probably shortly after we for wrap this up today. <laughs> so uh, right. and then the last thing, week thirteen, he's he's got a home matchup against the Baltimore Ravens. That secondary definitely hasn't pulled their weight this year. Mm-hmm. Even I mean, Josh McCown put together some drives against them. Austin Davis stepped in and found a whole – A gaping hole, might I add, you in the secondary on that Benjamin touchdown. So the Ravens defense, very susceptible. Parker, a pretty fast, quick guy uh, that should be able to find his way to uh, a few passes, at least. Yeah, he was. I think one of the faster
2: guys in the draft too. Correct?
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. As far I don't have any facts to prove that four four five forty. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's quick. I might be able to run twice that if I'm lucky. So (laughs) I guess we'll see. Oh, actually, that's really bad. I can probably do a little better than that. I guess we'll see. Any any anyone out there on Twitter wants to to challenge me on a foot race to build their confidence?
2: Go ahead and get at me here. We'll just have some Vegas races next summer and report back when the podcast starts up in 2016.
3: I guess that sounds fair enough here. All right, yeah, (laughs) put it on the board. All right, what about Dante Moncrief? (laughs) Now, a lot of people counted Dante Moncrief out when luck went down and Hasselbeck stepped in to take over. But Moncrief, who's only owned in 60% Yahoo, 64% ESPN, so a little bit surprisingly low ownership, and uh, he seems to be fitting right in with Hasselbeck. Uh, He was targeted nine times last week, caught eight passes uh, for 114 yards, didn't find the end zone. Uh, Tampa Bay, you know, not known for having uh, the most spectacular secondary in the league, probably middle of the pack there, but is Dante Moncrief a guy you'd pick back
2: up even before the two guys we talked about? I would say focus on the first two guys, mm-hmm. but Moncrief, you got to like the fact that he's got 17 targets total the last few weeks, mm-hmm. and he does have that rapport with uh, Hasselbeck, which he showed earlier in the season as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess not so much in the Houston game, but he did, was Hasselbeck under center against New England uh, earlier this season? I, I, honestly, I, I can't remember I'm off the top to of my head, game. but... Um, maybe played some
3: time under center. Yeah, I think like he that. did
2: get some time in that game. But anyway, yeah. uh, yeah, he just the recent recency bias. I mean, you got to like what he what mm-hmm. he's doing here. Yeah, I'm sitting. Um, at- and, and he's just a more consistent threat. Exactly, he's going to get his looks. And I'm sitting here
3: in a keeper league with Moncrief at eleven dollars, and that's going to make some uh, tough decisions here for me. I also have Derek Carr for one dollar, David Johnson for one dollar as well so I'm watching David Johnson throughout the rest of the year the only reason I hadn't dropped Johnson is because of that one dollar keeper status looking into next year because I didn't think Chris Johnson would be around so and uh Ellington doesn't hold up of course <clears> so exactly <throat> so gonna have some tough decisions in a league that's the one league that I am unfortunately out of the playoffs in. that's the one where it's a sure thing that I'm out of the playoffs in. but uh anyway moving on from receivers to a few more pass catchers here Uh let's go to tight ends we've already mentioned guys like say, Kyle Rudolph was someone last week. He's still owned in 46% Yahoo, 21% ESPN leagues. so a lot of availability there. He has 18 targets in his last two games, something to think about here. Uh, Zach Miller had a pretty good game against the Packers on Thanksgiving, only owned in 20% Yahoo, 25% ESPN. And then, of course, Andrew Corliss of the Packers returning to practice this week here. Uh, you know. Kyle Rudolph I'd say is one of the top
2: targets for this week but we're going to get into a couple other guys that I like a little bit better. Yeah, so yeah, just going back to Miller for a second. He's had at least five targets in three three straight games. He's reached the end zone four times in the last four games. Um Twenty total targets during that span. Uh, I, I really do like him, even though he's not getting the ball a heck of a lot. Mm-hmm. He he has become kind of a favorite safety net for uh, Jay Cutler with Martellus Bennett out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd say his status is pretty closely tied to Mar- uh, Martellus Bennett. Yeah. And, uh,
3: Bennett was present for the open portion of Monday's practice. That's the latest we have on him. Looking for an injury report later today, probably.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, they don't play until Sunday, so the first one will come out on uh, Wednesday. But you never know; oh, they, yeah, they might right. they might actually release something today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, guess we'll
3: see. I think most NFL players have off on Tuesdays. Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah, I've got that. Okay, mixed it up a little bit. No um, I think I've been watching Packers injury reports with the th- with the Thursday game. That probably exactly. threw me off a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, other tight ends, though. How about Scott Chandler of the Patriots? We saw every Patriots fan collectively gasp when Rob Gronkowski went down with the knee injury. uh They're saying he's likely out Sunday against the Eagles. No, no lock yet, but considering the uh, apparent severity there i'd say it's pretty safe bet that he'll be out he's considered quote week to week here and the patriots have a home matchup against the eagles week 13
2: scott chandler steps in to replace him there is he a viable tight end option this week yeah and yeah and i'm really surprised that it took uh to this point in the season for him to actually make an impact Mm -hmm. he was a he was always a like decent pass catcher in buffalo before this uh last two seasons Mm-hmm. 13 in 2013, 81 targets, 2014, 70 targets in full seas, full slates. So far, he only has uh, 34 with New England, but 11 of those, like you said, actually happened this last weekend mm-hmm. uh, with Gronkowski out of the lineup. There's no doubt that he should be targeted this much, especially with how, how ravaged they are in the, in the receiving mm-hmm. core and with Deion Sims out of the lineup. James White has not established himself really as a pass catcher in any way, shape, or form, nor mm-hmm. has Brandon Bolden. So. Yeah. The guys like Dan, or Brandon LaFell and Scott Chandler are really going to be Brady's top two options at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Edelman
3: out for the year, Amendola banged up. We uh, we don't know a whole lot about the distribution, but one thing is, is uh, Chandler's going to be the man. And you're right, it, it was. It took him a surprising amount of time to really get involved in the offense this year because you know bill belichick and the patriots have traditionally had success with two tight end sets in the past and uh you know the second tight end didn't his success didn't necessarily have to be completely dependent on gronk and i think that's that should have been the case here but now he's going to really get a lot of looks. I mean, he had only been targeted more than three times in a game once this season. That was all the way back in week two against Buffalo. So always following the targets. you got to be optimistic about that. I'd say, you know, I like Kyle Rudolph rest of season. I think he's getting the chemistry with Teddy Bridgewater, but Mm -hmm. Chandler's going to be my number one tight end target this week, uh, without a doubt. Even in a league where I have Rudolph, I'm going to consider making a swap right there.
2: Yeah, so like previous, uh, you know, uh Titans that played with uh um Rob Gronkowski were what Aaron Hernandez who we we're not going to mention more than his name uh, Benjamin Watson mm-hmm. right also in this Had offense. some success Michael yeah. Hamanuwuni, yeah. however you say his name he doesn't do much he was more of a blocker but mm-hmm. at least they trotted out two tight ends at the time yeah Tim Wright got a few
3: touchdowns I believe uh, I think that was as early as last year but uh, of course it, nobody has successful uh, since Hernandez but the the yeah. targets and, and opportunities have been there yeah exactly mm-hmm. so just want to throw that out there but if you are in a deeper league uh, there's a couple other tight ends you might want to take a look at this week uh one is Vance mcDon McDonald of the 49ers, uh, 2% owned in Yahoo, 1% ESPN there. Got a nice matchup at Chicago Week 13, and also fellow tight end Garrett Selleck has a high ankle sprain. Uh, is is there something to like here about McDonald? Could It would probably have to be a deep format, but could you see yourself
2: starting him in a 14 or 16 teamer? Yeah, so whenever we see a quarterback change, we kind of like looking into those teams and seeing like who actually comes kind of out of nowhere and is getting targets. You kind of notice that they have built a rapport, and say working with the second team or scout team or whatever when it comes to practice. And one of the guys that's kind of merged with uh, Blaine Gabbert being under the center is actually Vance McDonald. Over the last two games, he's reached end zone in both outings, and he's totaled ten catches on eleven targets for 136 yards. So you can't really, you know, dismiss that at all. That, that's something you have to take in consideration. He should probably be owned in deeper formats because the tight end position has really been hammered the last, uh, you know, a little bit here Mm -hmm. with, like we said, Gronkowski going out and also Jimmy Graham going out with a knee. Mm -hmm. And Tyler Eifert
3: has, I believe, a neck issue
2: that uh, he's no lock to play this week either. So a tight end
3: group that was very top-heavy to start with just got incredibly more top-heavy. Say all three of those guys are out, then you're sitting with Greg Olson and Gary Barnage as your locks. And after that, where do you really go? Yeah, it is. It's definitely really tough out there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of teams that were are in are are securely locked in the playoffs right now. were relying on Gronk, and they're going to need to kind of scramble to find a replacement because after the Patriots buy, you'd think why even own a second tight end behind Gronk because oh. you're never
2: going to start anyone else. One more tight end, Travis Kelsey.
3: Oh yeah, I guess you could put him in that top echelon too there. So uh so yeah, but still, you know, it's that's a little of Yeah. Th- that's maybe 3 4 guys that are surefire tight end ones and after that there's a whole lot of gray area and that's yep. where I think you start to throw in, you know, guys your your Charles Clay and your Rudolphs and, you know, your Chandlers
2: now. Yeah. Um we've you seen know, players like it, that. We've also seen guys like Julius Thomas kind of come on of late too, which mm-hmm. You know, bodes well for the rest of the season. But you're right. It it's just if you, if you have one of those top three run mm-hmm. or tight ends that we just mentioned, Vance McDonald is a viable option, yeah. and he's going to be out there. Mm-hmm. Side so note, yeah. Side so note, I'm thrilled to
3: see Julius Thomas come on because I quote sold high on Eifert earlier in the season because <laughs> I had Julius Thomas as my backup. Yeah. Got a crew of scrubs in return. One of probably one of my most, one of my worst fantasy moves of all time. We won't get to that uh, too in depth here. One last tight end. Again, we mentioned the Jimmy Graham injury. You look to Seattle, you look down the depth chart, the seemingly right answer there would be Luke Wilson, right? Uh, two L's in his name if you're searching for him. He's available just about everywhere. Does have a tough matchup week 13 at Minnesota, so it's a road matchup against a team that's in the bottom half of the league and or I guess top half of the league, however you want to look at it, in terms of fantasy points allowed to tight ends. So he's an option there, but it's really more of a dart, if anything.
2: Yeah, and I do like the fact that at least in his pre- first two seasons, he's averaged over nine yards per target in both of those seasons. Right now mm-hmm. he's sitting at 8.4, but the fact that he's going to be getting more volume with Jimmy Graham out of the lineup, yeah. that will probably uptick, especially with mm-hmm. – We've seen Russell Wilson actually air it a little bit more too down the field. Yeah, agreed.
3: Late. It's a, it's he's always been had the yards per target. It's just been a matter of getting it those get, targets, and now now he will be getting those mm-hmm. targets for sure. Yeah, so someone to potentially look at, especially in those deeper formats here. Well, moving on from tight ends, uh, a lot of outdoor games this week. Last week we ran down the dome kickers. I'm going to run those down for you again. Mason Crosby at Detroit probably owned in most places uh matt prater though on the other side of the field uh you know the green bay defense has been pretty uh wishy-washy lately so he could get some action there but of course he missed two practices this week due to illness so just want to double check there uh chandler catanzaro at st louis that's a kicker that should be owned just about everywhere i believe he's one of the top fantasy kickers
2: correct yeah and I'll, i'll look into uh catanzaro's uh ownership right here quick if you just want to continue on all right
3: Yes, yeah. so the other one is uh st louis Rams situation of course they play in a dome greg Zerline was actually inactive last week with a groin injury they had assigned zach hoker i don't really like either of these as a safe bet uh you know hoker could be cut by the time sunday rolls around or Zerline could be inactive again and they're playing the cardinals so i move past that graham gonneau at new orleans that's a solid bet there i really like that matchup and of course kai forbath
2: versus Carolina there. So those are your dome kickers for the week. So uh, Catanzaro so far is uh, actually fourth in points among all kickers in the league. This is just, uh, you know, kickers scoring, you know, three mm-hmm. points for every field goal, one point for, for extra points. Uh, he's actually available in nearly 50% of all leagues right now, 53% of Yahoo he's owned, 48% in ESPN. This is a guy that really should be owned everywhere, and it really doesn't make any sense to me that he's not. He's in one of the offenses that is guaranteed going to be scoring a lot of points on a weekly basis too Mm -hmm. with Carson Palmer under center and a dynamic receiving core so come on like guys go yeah go ahead and pick up at this point
3: yeah that's gonna make me check after this too I'd even put a buck down on a guy like that uh I mean again this week check your weather reports for kickers where it's officially December today so we're gonna start to see some snowy games we saw a few last week and uh you know not always but in general, the scoring will be lower in those games, especially
2: for kickers. So go after those dome guys. Yeah, yeah they're facing St. Louis too, which is uh, pretty yielding to kickers, uh, just because their defense is pretty staunch once it gets to, uh, once it gets to actually allowing you know teams or keeping keeping teams out of the end zone. Kind of
3: that bend but don't break mentality. Yeah, exactly. Kind of get them into the opposing territory, but. Then then step it up and stop him from getting any further. Yeah, so,
2: and he's also made multiple field goals, I believe, now in six straight games.
3: Yeah, Catanzaro, my man this week. I'm probably going to go after him in daily as long as the price isn't too high. I prefer to just not check the weather report at all and go with the dome kicker when I'm doing daily. Totally makes sense, especially this time of year. Yeah, right on. Uh, What about streaming defenses? I I got a few names on here. One of them is going to have a little bit higher ownership than the rest of them. Uh, There's a couple that should have pretty much zero ownership that you know are more darts but the the defense that i really like is the miami dolphins uh of course they they host the baltimore ravens so when streaming defenses i like to look at the home team also like to look at the opposing team's weapons of which the ravens will essentially have none when you when you look at buck allen and kamar aiken are probably the team's two best offensive players so that's not saying a whole lot now you might say hey jake Baltimore scored 33 points against the Browns last night, but keep in mind one of those was a punt return and one of those was a blocked field goal uh, right. return there. So it's not like offense completely lit it up. Really, they only scored 20 points. Uh, mm-hmm. So... um and then that's against a Cleveland defense that is missing Joe Hayden, was missing one of their starting – or uh, one of the linemen, Randy Starks, in their rotation. So it's against a, a bad – already bad defense that can't tackle anybody. And so I'm I'm just kind of throwing that 33-point that game out uh, and going back to picking on the Baltimore offense when it comes to streaming
2: defenses. Do you follow that logic? Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I'm definitely with you there. What, uh the fact that Matt Schaub has a propensity to throw pick sixes—that you mm-hmm. got always got to keep that in mind for uh, streaming purposes. Uh, do you th- feel kind of the same way with the uh, Bears pick? Yeah, I- I'm very
3: similar uh, in that uh, situation. Yeah, the Bears were another one I wrote down here. Uh, again, playing in Chicago, they are the home team, so they fit my criteria there. Uh, you know, who knows how the weather's going to be in Chicago? That could potentially have an effect. But the more important effect is the Blaine gabbard effect. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'd target
2: you know opposing quarterbacks with the high propensity to turn the ball over. Could and you could you even see San Francisco kind of uh, holding them in check, and on the other side of the coin, benefiting from a say Jay Cutler pick six?
3: Yeah, I mean that could happen both ways. I I mean, of course, I was at Lambeau Field on Thanksgiving, and it was the first time Jay Cutler came into Lambeau Field ever in his entire career and did not throw an interception. So,
2: yeah that's that's one thing we were all banking on weren't we as Packer fans
3: yeah I was just waiting for that to happen so this game <laughs> would stop being close but it never did and of course the outcome didn't quite work out that way but anyway Dolphins only owned in just in 24 in percent of Yahoo leagues Bears five percent of Yahoo leagues so a ton of availability Redily, yeah. Th- these guys should be able to be picked up uh, at zero dollar bids or just on the waiver wire beforehand so you know looking at guys like that because uh You know, I've got some weak defenses that, you know, maybe I haven't been on my toes streaming as much as I could be, but these are two guys I'm going to look at availability. Dolphins were what I thought would be a top 10 defense entering the year, really trailed off, but now they're starting to come back on and and the matchup this week uh, makes them my personal top target there. So just a couple defenses to look at this week. Yeah, indeed. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. Brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. Also check out ROTOWIRE for free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com pod. That's rotowire.com slash once again, I am Jake Letarski. If you are on Twitter, follow me at JakeSki52.
2: Yeah, and over here it's Eric Gatturi,
3: and you can follow me on Twitter at ETCAT30. The RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast will return Wednesday, December 2nd with Joe and Mike.